Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, January 30th, 528 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are a little bit lower here this morning. Mackenzie, we've got some uh, ethanol slash carbon capture news to start off. POA LLC, the world's top ethanol producer, has partnered with Summit Carbon, Summit Carbon Solutions to reduce biofuel emissions and capitalize on the sustainable aviation fuel market. Through his proposed pipeline, Summit Carbon Solutions will ship carbon dioxide from 17 POET facilities. The pipeline will cut through the Corn Belt and is expected to transport carbon dioxide from 51 ethanol plants. POET has originally planned, excuse me, POET had originally planned to be a part of Navigator CO2's pipeline, but landowner resistance and regulatory hurdles halted that project. Construction of Summit's proposed pipeline has been pushed back due to similar challenges. This is a an old version of the map I've got on my screen. I'm assuming it's going to look different with all these uh, new plants being involved. So they've got all kinds of opposition here, not only from, from landowners, but uh, South Dakota denied their first application in September. They're going to refile North Dakota, and the uh, carbon capture site is in North Dakota, also denied their initial permit in August. And uh, in Iowa, they're, they're pending or waiting on some sort of decision. A couple of things that you guys need to know about this. The first one is the the issues with safety, property rights, eminent domain, that kind of stuff. Uh, we had a really great premium video out a couple months ago with Steve Hess, who's an Illinois farmer who uh, pushed back against the Navigator pipeline and, and helped to get that thing uh, stalled at least uh, for the time being because this thing was going to run through his backyard. He didn't want the safety issues involved with it. The other piece is is uh, the more complicated piece, and that's the the carbon capture stuff, the uh, carbon intensity scores. So these ethanol plants that are involved in this, they want to qualify for all of the tax credits that they could possibly be privy to. And in order to do that, they need the farmer on board. The corn score or the score associated with the farmer, the way that that scored, uh, plays a big role in in their ultimate score and how they qualify for these credits. Paul Neifer did a really great premium video for us about what you guys need to do as farmers right now to prepare and benefit from this. Because if you're not taking the steps to uh, kind of get on board with this, you're going to be left behind by those who are taking the steps. If you guys want to see those premium videos, uh, if you're a premium sub, shoot me an email and I will uh, send those over this morning. So, I mean, all in all, we know that sustainable aviation fuel is is going to be a good thing for the corn market and for ethanol down the road. There's going to be a lot of road bumps, not only from these uh, state regulators, uh, but also from landowners, that sort of stuff. This is, this is complicated. It's, it's very complicated. So a Hong Kong court has ordered China Evergrande Group, China's once largest property developer, to liquidate. The company's liquidation will likely cause more instability in an already shaky real estate industry. The sector has seen numerous developers fail over the past two years due to a correction in property values and banks withholding funds. About a quarter of China's GDP used to come from the real estate industry and related sectors. According to economists, the sector's downturn, which is in its, which is in its fourth year, is expected to get worse. This is more just negative China economic news. And it seems like every day you can find some negative China economic news. Um, they had to uh, essentially stop or, or 
restrict short selling in the Chinese stock market. And the Chinese stock market looks a hell of a lot different than the U.S. stock market. We're making all-time highs in the S&P like every day, whereas this CSI 300, which is the top 300 stocks in China, was off 11% last year, where the S&P here in the U.S. was up, what, 15 or 20, and they're already down 5.5% year-to-date. So this does not bode well for soybean demand, corn demand, demand for anything. Although that being said, I don't know that soybean exports are going to be off at all. USDA USDA is still projecting a record program. It's just that uh, U.S. soybeans are not competitive and Brazil is going to have quite a bit to export. So if you guys have not checked out our premium content, you need to do so. You're not going to find content like this anywhere else. Joe, can you tell me about the video you put together yesterday? You look at the corn market and is it a bear market? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, but during bear markets, even in our bear market years and, and the years I, I talked about specifically in this video were 2014 through 2019, even in those bear market years, we had short covering events where large fund traders would cover their net shorts. They'd get long for a second. How did those events unfold? What did they result in in terms of uh, price strength or price changes? What sort of of rallies were associated with those events. When did they occur? That's what I discussed yesterday. If you want to see that video and, and the rest of the premium stuff, go to standardgrain.com this morning. This is a $50 per month subscription. You can cancel it anytime. It includes our morning email, which goes out at 5 a.m. Central Time every day. Ton of info in there, including our six most recent premium videos. Uh, 50 bucks a month, cancel it anytime. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody to try to sell you anything else. This is the best way to support what we're doing here, guys. Um, check that deal out this morning. Brazil's soybean harvest is progressing. According to well-followed private group Ag Rural, as of last Thursday, 11% of Brazil's soybean crop had been harvested. At this time last year, 5% of the crop was harvested. Ag Rural also reported that 11% of Brazil's second corn crop was planted as of last Thursday, up from 5% last year. According to agricultural, agricultural consulting firm DataGrow, Brazil's soybean harvest is expected to reach 148.55 million tons. The estimate is down from the firm's previous projection of 152.88 million tons. I'd venture to say that the earliest soybean yields in Brazil probably the worst because they were dry so early and then it kind of shifted wetter. So the better stuff should be later. The forecast looks pretty good. And um, I, I'd probably say that if you're going to see some sort of rally in the corn market, one of your best prospects would be like a shift toward a drier pattern in Brazil. And we haven't seen that yet. And, and the forecast looks pretty wet for most places, not everywhere, but most places. If this thing were to shift drier and, uh, and, and stay that way for a couple of weeks, I think that could help out the corn market in particular, given that planting is just getting started. It's very, very early, but um, a, a Brazilian weather event is maybe one of your better chances for a corn market rally. Argentina is gonna be dry for a week to 10 days, but then the extended stuff, suggests that the rains return and and i don't put a whole lot of stock in the extended stuff we know that anything beyond a week is very very difficult to predict but um this is is fairly convincing i guess i think traders look at this stuff even though it can uh, very often be wrong these extended gfs models so a little dry in argentina here for a week but then maybe some relief an abundance of wheat in the Black Sea region has caused Russian wheat prices to drop. According to Sovacon, Russian wheat exports are expected to reach 3.6 million tons this month, down almost 8% from January of last year. The firm, however, is projecting that exports will increase in the coming weeks. Despite large stockpiles, Russia has purchased 473,000 tons of wheat this year. Last week, Sovacon forecasted Russia's wheat crop this season to increase by 1% to 92.2 million tons.
They've had some pretty good weather in the Black Sea as far as uh, from what I can understand. And um, they are the Black Sea and Russia in particular. They're the global price setter when it comes to wheat. The United States used to be uh, back in the like mid-1970s. The U.S. accounted for half of all global wheat exports. And this year, we're going to be less than 10%. So the Black Sea um, over the course of, of decades, Black Sea and, and other places as well, have really kind of like put the U.S. out of business when it comes to wheat exports. We, the United States, are a residual supplier of wheat to the world now. We are not a, a main supplier like Russia is, which is a, uh, this is a pretty crazy chart, actually, when you think about it, that we went from being half of all global wheat exports to less than 10% over the course of 40, 50 years. Crazy stuff. U.S. soybean shipments were poor last week. USDA reported that 33 million bushels of soybeans were inspected for export during the week ending January 25th. The print was down 25% compared to the previous week and down 54% versus the same week last year. Corn shipments increased 21% versus the prior week at 36 million bushels. Wheat shipments were soft at 10 million bushels, down 16% compared to the previous week and down 41% versus the same week last year. Uh, marketing year to date, corn shipments are up 30% versus the same period last year. A lot of that has to do with uh, the United States shipping corn to our uh, neighbors to the north and south, Mexico, Canada. Uh, soybean shipments are off 24% versus the same period last year. That has to do with uh, big crops in Brazil and uh, issues on the river, Panama Canal, that sort of thing. Wheat shipments are off 16% versus the same period last year. USDA may need to come down with its soybean export forecast a little bit based on the pace of sales and shipments. What did cattle do yesterday? Cattle futures started off Monday on a strong note, but as the day wore on, those gains faded. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 94 cents lower. Live cattle futures closed an average of 56 cents lower. Box beef also lost a little bit of ground yesterday. Choice ended the day at 299.42. That was down $1.11. Select ended the day at 288.82. That was down 31 cents. Outside markets on Tuesday, U.S. dollars off a little bit. Stocks just fractionally lower. I believe the S&P posted another uh, all-time high close yesterday. Bonds up a little bit. Uh, crude oil is up $0.07 cents in the March WTI at 76.84. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you on Wednesday.